It's the first Sunday in December, and we're going to jump straight in with the, the Bible account of Jesus's birth, but we're going to start in a place that maybe you wouldn't normally start from, and that is Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, the first 16 verses. They aren't necessarily the most exciting verses, but I'm going to do my best to paint a, a real picture for us as to what the writer Matthew is doing as he's setting people up for the revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and his very birth coming in just a few verses. Sometimes if you're like me, though, I grew up going to church. Maybe you, maybe you didn't go to church, but you still maybe grew up around a church culture. And so it's really easy to take for granted the story of Christmas. It is so easy to lose sight of what it is we're celebrating, whether it's the resurrection of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, the death and victory over sin from Jesus, all of these just titanic moments in Scripture. The more you hear about them sometimes, if you're not careful, you can lose sight of the wonder of this moment. Christmas is a wondrous moment for us. Bear with me here, because let's just, let's rewind the tape and let's remind ourselves of what takes place. Israel has been, there are prophecies about Israel that have been going on for hundreds of years. And the prophecy literally was that Israel would descend into a time of darkness but that a Messiah would come, a deliverer would come to set Israel free. You have this moment hundreds of years later where an angel appears to a couple that is to be married and tells them that they're going to give birth to this Messiah, and this is the name that they're going to give him. But before this birth takes place, they need to pack their bags because there's a great journey in front of them. In fact, this savior of tremendous significance, of eternal significance, would be born in utter insignificance. This is the beginning of the story, but it doesn't stop there because the literally the night sky is ripped open as the shepherds are shepherding sheep and angels show up. And they announce the, the birth of Jesus in this moment. And so the shepherds pack their bags and begin to try to find Jesus. And then sometime later, a star appears in the sky. And the wise men see it and they say, well, we need to find this Jesus. And along their journey, they meet the, the evil King Herod, the villain of the story who's intimidated and threatened by this new king and, and puts together a plot to, to literally kill all the children to and under. This is literally the account of Jesus' birth. And if I didn't know better, I, I would think I'm telling you the story of like a Disney movie in this moment. It's incredulous. It's wondrous. It sounds like the scripting of an awesome movie, right? but it's not a fairy tale. In fact, what we're about to read in Matthew chapter 1, the writer Matthew does the exact opposite of what you would expect in a moment like this. He, he comes with dry, cold, hard facts. He starts off in Matthew 1 verse 1, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And what, what, what follows, not, uh, Lord, 
I don't want to say that your word is boring, but this isn't the most exciting next 15, you know, verses in the Bible. This isn't what gets you pumped. You don't read it in the morning and be like, man, I feel so inspired. No one is writing this on the mirror right in the bathroom to confess in the morning the genealogy of Jesus. No, this is a bit dry. And the reason he does this is he knows the nature of this story. It's going to be so wild. It's going to be so crazy. It's so preposterous that somebody would suggest that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah and all of these pieces have come together for the first Christmas. It's so nuts that he starts by anchoring it in the very facts of the case, the cold, hard facts, 16 verses. This is how we know, coming out of the gate, that what we're about to read is anchored in truth. There really is a Messiah, and his name really is Jesus. And these events really did happen. And this story of Christ is far greater than any Disney film. It's far greater than a pauper being turned to a prince. It's far greater than even the, the sleeping beauty moment where the, where, where the love wakes someone up from the, their deep, dark sleep. Although that happens, this is what Christ does to us. He transforms our identity. He wakes us up on the inside. Or if you're a Star Wars sci-fi nerd like myself, there really is a purpose that's so great, a mission so grandiose that you truly feel called to be part of this mission to change the world and fight the dark side. <laughs> Merry Christmas. The story of Jesus is greater than any story ever told. It's the greatest story ever told. But understand something, it isn't a tale just to be told. It's a truth to be lived. The Christmas story isn't just a tale, it's a truth. It's not something just to tell, it's something to be lived. And the story of Christmas in this moment has great implications for you. Right here, right now. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. I already read the first verse. I'm going to read the first three. And then I'm going to reference the rest because... It might get a little dry for you as we're trying to watch this uh, on our screens today. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, whose mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. And the list just keeps on going. And over the next, you know, 12 verses or so, 13 verses, you have reference to Ram, Aminadab. You have reference to Jesse, David's father, Ruth, Obed. You have reference to Eli, uh, Elihud, of, of Jacob, the father of Joseph, of Mary, etc., etc. What you have is, is, is Matthew stringing together the cold, hard facts of who Jesus is and who Jesus is actually related to. In other words, before I tell you the story, you can do the heavy lifting, or in this case, the light lifting, because I'm going to tell you exactly who Jesus is and who Jesus is related to. Matthew doesn't leave any stone uncovered as he's, as he's trotting out Jesus's history, and it actually, it, 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 it helps provide credence to the story that's about to be told. 
Now, uh, we've been, you know, we've been watching Netflix uh, over the past nine months. I mean, we, we watch Netflix all the time. But there's a new documentary that came out. I forget the, the exact name of it, but it's regarding these tombs and crypts that were discovered in Egypt. It is fascinating. We've been watching it. And what's amazing when they go, when, when archaeologists are going into these tombs and they're looking at the walls and the hieroglyphics, the, the family members who have brought shame to the family many times get kind of wiped off the slate as if they didn't exist. And sometimes they're sitting there and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa wait, uh, who is this brother again? Or who is this person again? Or who is this father again? And they realize as they're looking at the family tree and the family history that there are more people than were actually included, but they were written out probably because of the actions that they took. They brought shame to the family, and nobody wants to bring uh, attention to shameful moments. Yet here, Matthew does the opposite. He starts naming person after person after person who have done terrible things, shameful things, disgraceful things. This isn't what you would normally do in a moment like this which is one of the reasons why we know Matthew's doing this with great intent. He's doing it so that you can actually fact check what he is saying. And it also gives us great hope in regards to how God can use you even in the midst of mistakes that you've made, of sin that you've engaged in, of, of the train wreck that maybe you've made of a situation. See, here we have in Matthew chapter 1, you have referenced literally to, to uh, incest, okay? This isn't the kind of thing you just mention casually, right? You have uh, Solomon, David's son, being mentioned. Uh, in fact, that happens in verse 6. Jesse, the father of King David. David was the father of Solomon, whose mother had been Uriah's wife. Matthew is laying out all the junk right here, okay? He literally is talking about Jesus as the Son of God. This is your moment, the Son of the living God, right? Who doesn't want to make sure that Jesus has the best carpet rolled out for him? And literally, he's talking about King David and the son that David had, Solomon. Oh, by the way, Solomon's mom wasn't even David's wife because David had an affair, he leads with that. That is an unprecedented genealogy and an unusual way to lay out the birth story of Jesus. And it adds credibility to what Matthew has to say. Now, as we're talking about shame today, as we're talking about just mistakes and we're talking about your family tree and your history in this moment, I'll share a story that is more funny than it is serious, but in middle school growing up, my dad, my dad had a hunting truck, okay? Now, he had his normal car, he had his work car, then my mom had her car, and then they basically had a free car that was, I don't know, given to them. Maybe they spent like 10 bucks on it. You get the idea, though. This kind of a car is what, it's not the kind of thing that you want to be picked up in at school kind of car. It was an orange Ford Bronco, right? Rusted out. It had like the diesel smoke coming out the back of it. You know, the loud pops when you when it would start. It sounded like a gun going off. 
And every once in a while, if I had to stay after school, my dad, uh, don't ask me why, he could have picked me up in the Nitzer ride, but he would roll up in this orange hunting truck, the Ford Bronco, and I would be standing with my backpack on the side of the curb at school, thinking to myself, God, take me now. Anything than to be seen getting into this car. My dad also would, my dad was a larger man, okay? He was a big guy. If you take your wedding ring off, my dad could put a quarter through his wedding ring. Those are some big hands, okay? Big fingers. He's a big dude. And he had these pink shorts that every once in a while he would just put on and he'd go outside and he'd be doing lawn work in. Now, if you think for a minute that I'm telling you that men cannot wear pink, that's not what I'm saying at all. I got some gray pink stuff, but my dad did not make this look right, okay? There was, there was something not right about this. My sister, myself, my mother begged my father to burn these pink shorts, right? But he didn't and brought shame to our family. <laughs> okay, he didn't really, but it was embarrassing. And all of us have things in our family that we are embarrassed by. And yes, some of it is something as insignificant as a hunting truck or a pair of pink shorts. Or, in many of our cases, in most of our cases, there are things in our families, in our history, that we are ashamed about, that we're embarrassed by. And deep down, in the deepest parts of your heart that we don't like to always talk about, sometimes we really wonder if God can redeem this. Can God really bring something great out of this? Can he really move here? But we don't talk about it. It's, it's the deep places, the emotional places. You know, I had a family member, my grandmother recently passed away. And as, as is oftentimes the case, you know, you, you discover things, right? Um, many times there are things that you don't get told as a child or things that people experience. It gets kind of tucked away in the closet. And as you're having these moments after someone's pass, all of a sudden you're hearing things and, and you think to yourself, wait, what? I cannot believe, are you telling me that that's true? You're telling me that that happened? And the answer many times is yes. There are deep, painful scars. Uh, there's depravity. There's, there's, there's malicious intent. There's hurtful things that all of us have experienced or family members have experienced. And the story of Christmas the story of Matthew literally leading with the birth of Christ should give all of us hope today that regardless of what you've gone through, regardless even of the pain, not to make light of it, the difficulty, the pain, the scars, God can take all of it and make something beautiful out of it. The end of the story that you think is the end of the story is not actually the end of the story. Surprise, there's more. And when you get to the chapter about Jesus, the whole script changes. Jesus changes everything. And now the part of the story that you're trying to erase or that you want to white out or that you want to delete is now the part of the story that God is taking his highlighter to. 
And he's literally highlighting this because he's about to do his greatest work. What you need to know reading the first 16 verses of Matthew chapter 1 is that God isn't ashamed of you. He's not ashamed of your family history. He's not ashamed uh, 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 of all the deep, dark secrets and the pain and the scars and the difficulty that you've experienced. You can bring all of that to him. Our great Savior and our great Redeemer. Literally, his very story looks a lot like yours. And God still was at work and God is still moving. There's a tendency uh, in our culture uh, right now to cancel. We call this cancel culture. You've probably heard this verbiage before, where if anything, you know, if anything is happening that is, is no longer considered acceptable, we want, to, we want to cancel that person's life, cancel that person's influence, literally their very existence, right? That's, that's the pendulum swinging so far over this direction. But the pendulum also swings the other way which we've also seen and historically seen in that, in that many times we kind of just rewrite history and we leave out the, the, the difficult moments, the ugly moments. What if God would work right in the middle of all of that without you having to cancel it and without you having to, to pretend like it never happened, the God of this universe steps right in and breathes fresh life and redeems and changes and makes new. This is the God that we serve. This is what God wants to do in your life. God wants to do this in your life. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to be afraid. God is inviting you into relationship through his son Jesus and the birth of Christ and the circumstances around it remind us of that. Shepherds who came and knelt and worshiped Jesus. You don't think they had junk in their life? Oh, they did. Yet they were invited to the manger. You don't think the magi, wise men, didn't have junk in their life? Yet they saw the star in the sky and they were invited to come and worship. Herod and the scribes, if you remember the story, the, the Magi get to Herod's palace and, they, and, and the scribes come and, and the Jewish scholars come and they're literally putting all the facts together and they're able to tell the Magi where Jesus, where the, the prophecy was to be fulfilled. They have all the information in front of them. Yet the Magi respond and go, and yet those who know the truth the truth had not penetrated their heart. Oh, they had junk as well. And they were invited to come and worship as well. But instead, they held on to it. Instead, they stayed in their ignorance. They stayed at arm's length. God is inviting you into relationship with him. There's nothing you've done. There's nothing you can do to separate you from the love of Christ. There's nothing. What you have to do in this moment, though, is respond. See, there are those who came and worshipped Christ as king. And there were those who stayed where they were put, where they, where they stayed where they were at, because they refused to acknowledge who Jesus truly was. They wanted to hold on to their own little kingdom. But Christ had another kingdom in mind.
Another way to say this that we talk about at High Point is that no one is ever too far lost to be found. And that's so true today. And Christmas reminds us of this moment, that you're never too lost to be found. But you have to respond to him. Look what, what 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the, 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 the writers, uh, excuse me, the prophet Samuel writes this. He says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. This is great news for you and me because God looks at us differently than how we look at others and God loves differently than how we love others. And thankfully, you can never be so far lost that you can't be found. There aren't, there's not things that you do that somehow removes you from God's good graces. The, the love that God has for us is based on his ability to see and look into our hearts in ways that you and I cannot. And that is great news for us today. Let me give you an example that may seem kind of silly, but, but I, I think it might actually help us a little bit today. Uh, in my backyard, there's a lot of wildlife, namely squirrels uh, in my house. And my dog goes crazy when the, dog, when, the, when the squirrels are on the back deck because, you know, this is, this is clearly her house and her territory. But sometimes in the morning, I'll be drinking my coffee and I'm looking out the window and I see these squirrels. But, but you know, I, I have a nice, cushy kitchen with, you know, the heaters going, the fireplace is on. It's nice. It's warm. It's beautiful. Okay. It's a wonderful place to be in the morning. Kids are asleep. It's quiet. <laughs> it's nice. You know what never occurs to me in this moment? I have never once had a, a thought, not even a fleeting thought, that I would like to enter the world of all of these squirrels to try to bring redemption and transformation to their world and their community. That would be insane for me to leave the loftiness, the privilege, the, 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 the status of what I have as the king of my kingdom at 1318 Pembridge Way Northwest. It would be crazy, be lunacy for me to do that. We don't think this way. And yet, when Jesus left heaven for you and me, this is exactly what he did. He is the perfect representation of God's glory. He is God's glory. He is the fullness of God's grace, the fullness of God's love. He is God. And yet he put on the very flesh of man and he, and he stepped into our world, the muck and the mire and the sin that has literally impacted our very planet, our, our world, our lives, our families. Everything from top to bottom has been tainted by sin. And so when Jesus left the glory of heaven to become a baby, an infant, who had to have diapers changed, who had mom and, mom and dad who weren't perfect, who had brothers, who literally died a, a, a sinner's death, not because he sinned, but because he took upon himself the sin of you and I and the sin of literally the brokenness of the entire world. For him to do that is, 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 is greater than even the analogy that I just painted. It'd be crazy. It'd be madness for you and I to enter the, the world of whatever is living in our backyard. And yet, Jesus has done this for us. He has stepped in 
to our situation and stepped in to our world. And, and the, the story of Christmas reminds us of this. And it gives us hope that when Jesus left heaven, he did so because he loves you and I with a kind of love that you and I cannot even wrap our heads around. Jesus changes everything. And there is nothing you can do, nothing you can say, no distance you can run to get away from the love of Christ and what he has for you. But what you have to do in this moment is respond to the grace of God, the love of God. This is what you get to do. You don't have to do it. You get to bow your knee and literally surrender yourself to the one true kingship of Jesus. You see, there were, there were shepherds who responded, there were magi who responded, and then there were those who rejected, yet they knew the truth. They, they unrolled the scrolls, they had all the information, yet they didn't respond to the truth. They rejected it, all because they didn't want to surrender to the authority and kingship of the one true king, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who would transform them and change them from the inside out. What you and I have to do in this moment is surrender. Respond. Give over your life to the one true king. He's worthy of your worship and he's worthy of your praise. And he's worthy of your life being built in a way where you follow him with everything you've got. Jesus is worthy of it today. And he's inviting you into that kind of relationship. He invited the shepherds into relationship. He invited the magi into relationship. And even Herod and the scribes, they were invited as well, but they simply wouldn't respond to it. Don't put it off. This could be the greatest December, the greatest Christmas that you ever experience because you make the single decision, the most transformative and life-changing decision that you will ever make in your life. And that is to put your faith in Jesus as the Savior of your life. The Savior who changes everything. Here's what I want to invite you to do today. I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus. This is what Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 says as we close today. It says that the Bible says that Mary will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Jesus left heaven for you. Jesus left heaven for your family. Jesus left heaven for the world. And he did so to save us from our sins. Put your faith in him today and let that salvation come to your heart and to your home. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now for the beautiful story of Christmas. It's not a fairy tale, it's a truth to be lived. 
It's a truth that demands a response from us. And this morning, we thank you. We thank you for sending your son, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for the life that you live. We thank you that you left the glory of heaven uh, for us. You look on the inside, not on the outside. You see something, God, that you are after to redeem. And we thank you, Lord, that there's nothing we can do to outrun your love for us. No mistake is too great, no history too bad. And that you are in the business of redeeming and changing and transforming and writing a new story. Wherever you're watching from today, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, I believe this is a moment for you to do that very thing. And I want you to pray with me. Whether you're watching from a bedroom or from a living room or on the couch, maybe you're even listening in the car. This is your moment. Say, Father, I thank you that you are the God of heaven and earth. I thank you that your son Jesus is the Savior that I need. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, rising again on the third day as Savior over my sin. I ask you right now to change my life forever. Fill me with the Holy Spirit and make me new. I turn from anything and everything that I know doesn't honor you or please you, and I choose to follow you with my very life. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Amen. You might be sitting today or watching today, wherever from, and, and maybe that was your prayer also, even though you've, you've prayed like this before. And sometimes you need a moment to renew your faith in Jesus, to take a deep breath and simply respond to the tugging that's happening in your heart. Praise God. And if you were watching today and you were responding for the first time, congratulations. This is literally the greatest, most transformative decision you'll ever make in your life. And now we've got the, the, the work in front of us to begin growing and begin maturing. And, and, and that's what I want to invite you to do. If you're watching and you're, you don't live in Atlanta or you don't live in the Kennesaw area, uh, here's what I want you to encourage you to do, to Google a good church, Google a Bible teaching church that's close by and you need to get plugged into it. And if for some reason you're not sure how to do that or you don't know whether this or that, I want you to message us uh, right here in the comment section on YouTube or Facebook. You can text HP Info to 97000. One of the things that happens when you go to our website is a, a little message will pop up that says, how can we help you? We'll respond to that and we will literally help you. We'll help you take those next steps. The same is true for you if you're a part of High Point or live in the area. We want to help you get growing and maturing in this relationship with Jesus. But it takes, it takes a step of faith from you to reach out and ask. You can text HP Info to 97,000. You can message us on the website. You can literally comment in the section, in the comment section right now. And one of our volunteers will assist you and help you start walking this out. Sure am thankful for you today. And I'm blessed to be able to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas, the birth of Jesus with you this holiday season. Merry Christmas to you. See you next week.